kind, sober, and fully dressed. Good news, everyone. We found the name of Santiago's sex tape. everyone. Welcome to Kind, Sober, and Fully Dressed, a Brooklyn Nine-Nine podcast. This is our third episode. Microsoft Word is not a special skill. Today we'll be covering episodes 7, 8, and 9 from season 6. And if you forgot, I'm Meg, one of your hosts, and we have Holly. Hello! And um, I will be leading this episode for a change, um, just because I took really thorough shoutouts. <laughs> But let's dive right into it because there's a lot of good things that happen in these episodes. And so we have a lot to talk about this time. Yes. Let's do that. So in episode seven, The Honeypot, I want to give a shout out to that cold opening because my favorite part was Captain Holt saying that he lets the cold brew get back to room temperature before he drinks it. And for those of you who, like, spend time in real life with me, I think you all know that, like, I'm a room temperature kind of beverage person. (laughs) Like, whether cold or hot, I want it to be, like, lukewarm Uh all the time. (laughs) So I'm like, I identify with that, Captain (laughs) Hall. It's a pretty accurate representation of what being on too much caffeine is like as well. Oh, absolutely. But first, let us, I think, let's do a quick version of, um, I kind of separated into two different parts. So let's start with actually Amy organizing the 9-9. She tries very hard to get them all on the Marie Kondo method, but it is not working. It's like Amy in her prime. And she failed really so is. much. When she's giving everyone orders. Yeah. Gold she star. Tried. Amy tried. So rather than... Uh, Doing that, she moves on to Munkensmot, uh, which is apparently getting rid of everything except one item. I cannot imagine doing that. I no. like having stuff. Yeah, like I'm a person with 30 pops. Right, that's fair. <laughs> I, I, you know, I that method would not work with me. Yeah. But this this was um kind of going back to Gina's farewell episode. When she tried to get Amy to burn her big, like, the big book that she did for Gina. This is sort of like a very Gina move by Amy. Mm-hmm. Just, like, throw everything away. She's like, guess what? <laughs> throw it all out. <laughs> Gina would be proud. So she gets everybody to do it, which is apparently pretty difficult. Even the Sarge <laughs> decides to keep his pictures of his kids rather than his very fancy leather yoke suspenders. And we find out that stage two of Munkensmot is to incinerate your items rather than just, you know, donate them, recycle stuff. No, put, set it on fire. It's traditional that it's sent on a raft and then an archer shoots a flaming arrow to ignite the boat. But Amy's like, oh, of course we don't have an archer. But surprise, of course Rosa has six bows in her car. <laughs> of course she does. Like... Like she said earlier, what woman doesn't have an axe? What woman exactly. doesn't have bows? Like, yeah, I really like that. Was a great, that was a great Rosa moment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that would probably be for a cosplay as well. 
Is that steampunk yes. character that she dresses up as? It's probably cosplay yes. props. Oh my god. I love it. She did read those books and she yeah. was a fan. So a few days later, when Amy's going around to take pictures of the empty desks for organizers quarterly, she finds out that Terry kept his suspenders and she gets really mad at him. But then he reveals that he bought them before he took the lieutenant's exam and he was going to wear them on his first day. But then he failed and he doesn't think he'll ever get to wear them because he'll never make lieutenant. Poor Terry. Oh, Terry. He's just, I feel like... You know, again, like Terry is a big, strong, masculine character, but he's never afraid to show emotions. Like if this show was set, you know, 10 years ago or just like even a different show, I don't feel we would have gotten that sort of emotional struggle with him, I guess. Like, yeah, yeah. He's a good emotional guy. Yeah. And I think part of that is that it's Terry Crews as this character because he very much doesn't want to play that archetype of like you know, strong, stoic, serious, like, black man. Yeah. And Terry comes back into the office, and he sees a bunch of stuff on his desk. And it's Amy who brought him study materials and encourages him to take it, the tense exam again, and she got him a new pair of leather yoke suspenders for him to wear when he does pass the test. And he will. He will. He definitely will. Amy's going to help him. Yep. And when Amy's helping you, you can't fail. Exactly. So, to the honey part part of this episode, <laughs> Operation Nasty, Jake finding a new assistant for Holt. Because Jake found Gina, so of yeah. course he can find a new one. But, like, of course Holt was going to struggle to find an assistant, like, after Gina. Right. He needs a rebound assistant. Yeah. Or several. Yeah. Because he just well, can't find the right it's one. It's Holt. Yeah. Yeah. So, a very small part, but one of my favorite parts is when Jake comes in saying he's found his new assistant and he asks for a drum roll, Holt does it, which I didn't expect him to do. But when he does it, it's very slow because Jake did not specify a tempo and any man would default to Lento. (laughs) It's just a really great combination of how Holt like goes along with things, but still ruins them for Jake. It's like character development, but still being very like just typical Holt. Yeah, it's perfect. So the new assistant is Gordon Lunt, and he is very serious. He was afraid that he needed to go home because this seemed like a fun workplace. And after he basically gets the job and he leaves, Holt remarks how Gordon was absolutely flirting with him. He was wearing a Windsor knot, the easiest one to undo. (laughs) And, yeah, Jake doesn't think that's true. And so he keeps him on as his assistant. And then later he finds out that he was sent to spy on Holt by Commissioner Kelly. And Jake wants to, rather than just fire him, Jake's wants, Jake wants to find proof that Kelly sent the spy. So then Holt and him... G- Holt and Gordon go to a barrel making exhibit so they can borrow his computer from his bag. A deeply erotic barrel making exhibit. It's super erotic. <laughs> like, I just love how this episode managed to be like super gay, but in a very Holt way. Right. Like, it, it's definitely 
Gordon is absolutely flirting with Holt in the way that Holt would find that flirtatious. Yeah. And I don't think it's fake either. Like Gordon is just that type of person that that is how he would flirt with someone. And yeah. so it's a pretty good, it's a pretty great mashup. Yeah. And, uh, so Holt keeps him there for three hours talking about barrels. <laughs> and the next day when Holt comes to find Jake, Holt reveals that he was banished to the guest room because when Kevin found out he went to the barrel muse- museum with a 10, he was obviously very jealous. I would love to be like a fly on the wall of their house some nights. Right. Like I just. Just like see the discussions. Right. And like, I want to know how that fight went down in particular. Yeah. Just uh, like. It's amazing. Like there wouldn't be any raised voices that. Uh, it would just be, yeah, no, I need to see it. It's so funny. It's so funny. I can't even imagine what it would possibly be yeah. like. And um, so Gordon actually comes in now and he confesses that he is a spy because he's in love with Holt and he's not going to do his dirty work anymore. Everyone, well, not everyone. Jake is surprised <laughs> that this is what is happening. And the the best part of this conversation is that Holt and Gordon think that DTF stands for desiring thorough fornication. <laughs> Which it's not wrong. Yeah. The sentiment is correct. It's just um, like that is just not it's the more proper. Yeah, it really is. It's the Holt version of how to say yeah. that. And rather than again fire or accept Gordon's resignation. Jake wants to do Operation Double Dragon and Gordon will wear wire when he meets Kelly. But when they follow through, they've been double crossed. What a shock. And Gordon, I know, so so surprising. Gordon rats him out to Kelly. And of course, now Kelly has proof that Holt it made it seem like Holt was spying on him and that Kelly had done nothing wrong. And, like, everyone's super bummed, and Kelly asks for Holt's resignation. But, guess what? Operation Triple Dragon. He knew he'd be betrayed, and so he has mics and cameras set up all over the restaurant. That was a really impressive moment, like, because I kind of thought that Holt would, like, it was actually going to turn out bad for them. But I should have known better. Yeah, like, I was kind of convinced, like, this would be, like, that point where it's like, oh, what's going to happen this time? Yeah. And, like, not that this is actually the end of that kind of arc with Kelly and with the the downstairs. So I was really surprised that this is what happened. But I love it so much, especially how victorious Captain Holt is this whole time. <laughs> yeah. And so... Holt puts a list of demands on Kelly's desk. And the next day we find out that he is actually going to stop his vigilant policing. And at the bottom of the floor of nine of the nine, nine is reopened. So all of the street cops can go back downstairs to wrap it up. Of course, because we have to have a happy ending for everybody. Jake takes Amy to the barrel museum (laughs) because after three hours of listening to captain Holt explain the same barrels (laughs) He knows what exactly what to say. Uh, That was like the perfect little ending. It was. It was really great. Because Amy and Holt are very, very similar. They sure are. I just, I'm loving married Jake and Amy. Like, it's not much difference from before, but Mm -hmm. 
It's but nice. It's just really nice. Yeah, this episode was, it was fun. Mm-hmm. I think there were a lot of like really small things that came up that were just really delightful. Yeah. And so like that was, it was like a classic Brooklyn Nine-Nine episode. Yeah. And it's just a good Holt episode overall. And it wrapped up, well, potentially wrapped up the John Kelly storyline. Yeah. I feel like we'll see more of him, but maybe not for a while. Yeah, yeah. Kind of how like when they had um, Lieutenant or uh, Commissioner Lunch uh, there. Uh, yes. And she did yes. like disappear every so often and then would come back to start trouble again. Yeah. So we'll see what happens with that one. So on to episode eight. He said, she said. This is the episode that Rosa, not Rosa, but you know, Stephanie, uh, directed. And this is also the like sexual harassment, like Me Too episode. They, once again, I think overall handled it in that Brooklyn Nine-Nine way of towing the line between this is a very serious issue, but we're still going to take it with our charm that they do. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I was actually kind of surprised that it was as lighthearted as it ended up being. I It's not because a, a friend talked to me or a friend messaged me and was just like, oh my God, like I haven't watched it yet, but like I I know what this episode is about. And like, honestly, I, I told her that it's not as bad as the basically the walking wall black episode with Terry. Like, I think that has been the, that one. And then the uh, shooting episode have been like the worst as far as like, this is a really difficult episode to watch. Yeah. Um, Ones that they've had like this one actually ended up more lighthearted, I think, which yeah, hopefully, I don't know. Hopefully that makes it more digestible for people who are like Jake and they don't know that these things happen. Yeah, as you said, like they really hit, they really like hit it right. Like it's serious, but it's still, you know, fun to watch. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. So even in the cold opening, we start with this story because Jake gets really excited because he gets to work on a case with a guy with a broken dong. (laughs) (laughs) And it's this finance guy, Seth, who was struck for sexually harassing his coworker, Carrie. So Amy volunteers to work on this case with Jake uh, because she's, you know, three weeks ahead of her paperwork. (laughs) Naturally. Of course. And it's also probably pretty good to have, because this is a case between like a man and a woman, to have a woman on this case about sexual harassment. (laughs) And surprise, when they bring Seth in for questioning, he's an absolute dick. And... (laughs) The worst. The the one thing that I did see like on Twitter before I'd watched this episode was everyone being like, that Star Wars joke sure hit it on the nose. (laughs) Right on the nose. You know, him going that like Catherine Bigelow should direct the next Star Wars. And I've said that out loud to other men. (laughs) I laughed so hard. It's just Oh, it's so apt. It's so it's so true. It was such a perfect call out. It really was. Like, amazing. Then, after they're done interviewing, Seth, Carrie comes in, and we find out that she's been offered $2.5 million to not press charges and sign a non-disclosure agreement. And Carrie thinks that this is the best move because this is a he said, she said situation, and the system is broken. She is not wrong about any of those things. Well, the system is as broken as Seth's dong, she said, specifically. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Which is very broken because she hit it with a golf club. 
Yeah. Amy encourages her to wait to take the plea deal, not the plea, but to take the the money and that Amy is the system and she is not broken like Seth's dog. <laughs> and they are going to get him. And so Carrie agrees that she'll she'll wait on it until they can do an investigation. Before they go and interview everybody, Amy talks to Jake just about how awful it is to exist as a woman. Jake, you know, didn't actually know these like everyday small, like small because they're fast things that Amy deals with. And while they're talking, Rosa comes in and Rosa doesn't agree with Amy telling Carrie not to take the, the money. And, you know, Amy's really shocked about this because Rosa is a feminist and cares very much about women's rights. But Rosa points out that sometimes you have to think about what's best for the victim and not necessarily the cause overall, because people do get hurt in the process of like doing the right thing. And this could mess with Carrie's job and her livelihood and like all of those things that Carrie cares about could be in jeopardy because of Amy pursuing this case. Yeah. And like, she made a really good point because it just shows how often victims are put in like between a a rock and a hard place. Like there's no real winning. There's no ideal situation coming out from it. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I assume everyone has watched this episode, so it's not really a spoiler, but, you know, Carrie is forced to quit her job. And the fact that she can do this is because she works in finance and she already has a lot of money. And so she didn't necessarily need the $2.5 million in order to, like, keep going, in order to job hunt, in order to take care of herself and, like, anybody else she's responsible for. Whereas if you're not in that privileged place you don't get the luxury of putting these things on the line, right? If you have a family that you have to make money for, you know, if you could be threatened with violence and harm and like those are very real things that you have to take into consideration when you put yourself publicly and like that sucks, but that is the truth of it. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> when stuff. Yeah. When... Amy and Jake go to the finance the the finance firm which man I worked in finance for a while and uh, my work was much more conservative but it was also but like the vibe of it was the same in which they just have more money than like what's the point like it's so much money that it's just kind of like why yeah must be nice yeah, right? And especially, like, now now that I live in New York and I'm like, yes, that is Wall Street. And, <laughs> like, those are types of people that I see that I see around town or on the train or that, like, you know, show up on dating apps and stuff where I'm like, oh, you're gross. I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> Which, sorry to anybody who works in finance, but, like, that's that's the truth of it. So when they go... It's obvious that this firm is not really on the up and up. And they do let a lot of things slide, considering how crazy Beefer's birthday party is going. And as they bring everybody into interview, it's really obvious that they've all been prompted to say, it's an extremely professional workplace and Seth is a really good guy. Of course. Seth is not a really good guy. (laughs) So at the end of their interviews, Seth and then the 
on retainer attorney come in and they obviously point out that they found out nothing and that Carrie is actually getting fired because the firm has a zero, uh, a zero, a zero violence, I think. zero, zero tolerance, zero tolerance policy. That's what I was going that for <laughs> about violence. And it's obvious that Carrie committed an act of violence against him because his dong is broken. <laughs> Uh, what a shame. Yeah. So Amy is obviously devastated by this, that it happened because she, and the, obviously the plea, not the plea deal, the bar, the money is off the table right now. And she's just going to lose everything when it's been a few days and Amy's still working on this case, but she doesn't have anything. She, Jake comes in and she tells him about her old captain who mentored her to like get on the detective track and, when she did become a detective, he took her out to dinner and he tried to kiss her. And that's why she immediately transferred to the nine, nine and she never told anybody because she was afraid that she actually didn't deserve her promotion and that she wouldn't get any more. If she spoke up. I want to give her a hug. Yep. Which is also a very true thing that yep. happens. And yeah, it's, Terrible. Yeah, like that that bit made me cry. Like Yeah. Yeah, yeah because I mean obviously Amy is trying not to cry during that. Yep. But it's, you know, as if people, especially non white cis male people, you know, they already have to we already have to deal with imposter syndrome so much. And adding something like that to it, you know, and Amy's perfect. Amy's so good at her job and she's so smart. And for her to think that she doesn't deserve being a detective is just so sad yeah. because we all know how great she is. Absolutely. But you know, Jake does what Jake does best and encourages Amy not to give up and they're going to work together. And the first thing they're going to do is talk to everybody outside of the office because maybe they couldn't say anything like being on that turf. So in a clandestine meeting, they meet Steve <laughs> AKA Beefer, um, <laughs> who shows them that he has texts from Seth about what he did with Carrie exactly as Carrie describes it. And Beefer, of course, is giving them this information because it means Seth will get fired and Beefer can take his job. So thanks, Beefer, I guess. Uh <laughs> like I thought he was maybe a good guy for like 10 seconds right. and then he blew it. Yeah, we we were all Jake and Amy in that point where we're yeah. like, wow, it's Beefer who's a feminist? And he's like, no, yeah. not gross. His response to that was gross. So, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Anyway, we find out that, great, the DA is going to press charges. But when Jake and Amy go to tell Carrie that, she's actually already boxed up her desk and she's quitting. Because no one trusts her as, like, one of the dudes anymore. And... Amy feels terrible about it, but Carrie is proud of herself for not letting Seth get away with it. And she will find something else, I promise you. <laughs> yeah, like, she's not a woman who is hard-pressed to find job opportunities. No, not at all. And, you know, and she also, like, she's obviously upset by this, but she this isn't, like, for her. She doesn't seem that vexed by it. No. Yeah. Like, not at all. Right. Like, she's still... I believe that one day she will get her pool full of gold coins like Scrooge McDee. Yeah. So like it's going to be She'll fun. get the live her dream. Yeah, she will. Absolutely she will. 
Amy, of course, is still upset when they get back to the 9-9, but then Rosa is actually the one who comforts her, and she points out that Carrie's co-worker came in to report an assault because she was inspired by Carrie. And Rosa remarks that two steps forward, one step back is still one step forward. Yeah, like it ends on a kind of mixed note, like there's some positives, but also obviously plenty of negatives in that situation. Yeah, which, I mean, that's... That's real life, right? And like, that's also how the Terry episode went where, you know, Holt does stand behind him when they report this issue, but then Terry gets passed over for um, a committee spot. And it's probably because he reported on another cop. Yeah. So, you know, you can do the right thing and you can make those small steps forward. And like, people have to do that. But like, getting everybody to change overnight is really... Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> the others, the second storyline in this is about the Disco Strangler. And we've all heard about the Disco Strangler a few times before. And yeah, obviously, many times. so has Terry and Charles, <laughs> as they can recite Captain Holt's story about him. Holt does not believe that he's dead because he supposedly died in a prison transport van that was set on fire and he was trapped inside. Which... You know what? That sounds like something that could be faked. Oh, definitely. He's not wrong. Although I did, I kind of went back and forward between thinking that Holt was wrong and that maybe he was right and no, maybe he's wrong. Mm-hmm. Like I couldn't make my mind up. I was thinking, oh, maybe Holt's just going to have a bad day and be wrong. But no. But no. Guess what? He actually is out there. Even though yep. Terry and Boyle don't believe him. And... As they're going through it, you know, Holt thinks that the driver's in on it. But when they go and see her in the hospital, she is super injured. And it's at that point where he realizes that he is just trying to chase his glory days. And now he feels very old. So back in Holt's office, where he's sitting in there for a worryingly long time, Charles and Terry come back in and Holt lies like, I'm old. Uh, But then he gets a fax, which still old, Captain Holt. Um, but then he whispers to himself, I'm young. Just uh, like my favorite part of that of that scene. He because, would think that effect is too young. Like. Right? Because they do have a photo of the Disco Strangler from one of the helicopters Captain Holt deployed in the search for him. They fan out for a manhunt and Terry and Charles are finally taking it seriously. But when they find him, it's really disappointing (laughs) because he is just so old. It's like decrepit, really. (laughs) Right. Like he's he's basically at like a 90 degree angle and he can't hear what Captain Holt is saying to him. And it's just it is just it is sad to see him. Like try to be so arrogant, but just like, dude, you need to you need to stop. And so Holt, you know, is just like, get just get in the car. <laughs> yeah, you know, again, not a not a one hundred percent satisfying ending. No, I mean, good on him for being like that old and physically decrepit, but mm-hmm. still up to being like a criminal. Up to sneaking out and breaking out of prison. Yeah. Like, that's not, yeah. that's not bad. That takes some brain power. <laughs> but, I mean, he didn't get too far, so. Yeah. Captain Holt was right. Captain Holt was right. 
Yeah, I feel bad forever thinking otherwise. <laughs> Moral of the story, Captain Holt's always right. <laughs> yep, absolutely. All right. So, last week's episode. Yeah. The Golden Child with very special <laughs> guest star, Lin-Manuel Miranda. He fits so well into the universe. Like, he really, he really does. He was perfect as David. Oh my gosh. So Amy is not excited about going to dinner with her mom and Jake tonight because her mom invited her stupid brother, David. And because David is the golden child. He's the perfect one. He always does everything better. He always does everything first. And... They are. He is obviously the Santiago's favorite children. And of course, someone's like, no, all parents love everybody equally. No, that is not true. The, C- no. the Santiago's do not, how to, do not hide how they favor their children. <laughs> no wonder Amy's so hyper-competitive. Like, right, obviously. Holy cow. They have a picture system where their favorite child's photo is up on the mantle. Then children's two through four are on the piano. And then the rest are in the the hallway lining the stairs. David's is always up on the mantle. Amy is there on the piano. And when they try to point out that like, piano's not that bad. No one even plays piano. (laughs) (laughs) At least people use the stairs. So... Amy's already not starting this off in a great mood. They go to the restaurant and they get there like pretty early, like really early because Santiago's love punctuality. But, oh, guess what? Mom and David got there an hour beforehand separately. Ugh. David is the worst. And <laughs> like, th- really the worst. Yeah. And he always has to point out that he doesn't follow pop culture. <laughs> no. He's one of those people. He does not have a TV in the house. Which I think was probably really fun for like Lin-Manuel just because it's Lin-Manuel. And of course, he's on Twitter all the time and like cares yeah. very much about pop culture. Uh, but for David yeah. to be like, I don't understand that reference. I don't get what that is. I don't follow <laughs> pop culture. But after their last resort of getting Amy to have more attention was to Jake to pretend that he's choking on something and for Amy to perform the Heimlich. But when he does that, of course, mom stops them and tells, you know, oh, let let David do it. He has the EMT training because, of course, he does. And Amy leaves just immediately, does not wait to see what's going on with Jake, (laughs) which makes her look even worse in front of everybody. Just leave your husband there choking. Yeah, it's fine. But then... Lin-Man, David, David's captain comes in and oops, they found a bunch of cocaine in his desk. Amy is very happy about it. Amy's trying really hard not to be thrilled about it. And by trying really hard, I mean, she's not trying at all. She's like, she's really just not good at masking her emotions. She is not. She is delighted that finally something is wrong with David and Jake is a little bit taken aback to I really love how he kind of leans over and is like are you a bad person (laughs) (laughs) is my wife a bad person uh no it's just sibling stuff you know yeah yeah he's married into a crazy family I know right Jake and Amy go and bail David out of jail 
But then they find out that he's not actually addicted to cocaine. He's been investigating dirty cops and he's being framed. Amy is real mad that he is still flawless. So Jake convinces Amy to help David out with the case. And the lesson that Amy takes from it is that if he dies, then it'll always be a permanent David mantle, which is definitely not the point Jake was trying to make. Yeah, like, not the point, but okay. But Jake points out they're doing the thing that he wants to do, so all right. Yeah. And they go to a club that the Brazilian mob owns because they're the ones who have been working with the dirty cops. And Amy and David start fighting with each other about, you know, who is the best at what? Who has the most allergies? (laughs) Cool fight, Santiago's. And it ends off ends up in a dance-off where Amy's like, you don't even show off your forearms? And he's like, no, it's all about the elbows, and those are two things you do not show off when you dance. Yeah, Jake is, um, yeah, he's, like, reassessing his marriage right there. (laughs) Come on, Jake, you do a bunch of terrible stuff, so. Yeah. It's fine. Well, he he, he made the point that it was making him feel better about his own family. Mm Mm-hmm. Very true. So Amy decides to win the dance-off by doing a death drop. And obviously Amy does not know how to do a death drop. So while she is on the floor hurting, she actually ends up distracting the guards. And so they can sneak into the office. They, in the office, you know, Amy's actually the one who finds the bribe ledger But then people know that they're in there because she's the one who yells, I'm the golden girl. (laughs) Oh, God, Amy. Amy, why? Right. And unfortunately, in their escape, Jake gets captured by the beautiful Brazilians. Yeah, by by, um, Jake strikes again. Yes, by Jake is very by in this episode. And so Amy and David are outside of the club with a whole bunch of police forces trying to figure out how they're going to go and save Jake. And the the two guards actually end up taking Jake out of the back and trying to put him into an SUV. And they start to drive off. And Amy actually insists that David takes the shot to pop the tires because he is the better marksman. And they do it. It works. They get him back. Jake is by. And, <laughs> you know, I think like the, probably the next day they go to, and have their dinner again with Mrs. Santiago. But at dinner, when Amy excuses herself to go to the bathroom, it's not so she can be angry and give her a pep talk in the mirror. It's She's actually just using the bathroom because she feels okay about David because she might not have the mantle, but she has Jake. Aww. Which, very sweet, beautiful Jake, Jake and Amy moment. Yeah. Um, but then Jake tells her, oops, <laughs> because after <laughs> she left, he laid it into Mrs. Santiago. <laughs> About how she's being terrible to Amy a lot and also to Jake a lot. And rather than face her, they, you know, go and sneak out the back. Of course, because who would want to face her, really? She's scary. She's very scary. I am disappointed with the storyline for one reason. And it's Mm -hmm. because uh, Jeremy Smith is not there. (laughs) I was going to say, I'm just like, Where's Bale? <laughs> yeah. Where's Bale Organa? I do hope we get to see him again. Like, yeah. For one, he's excellent as Amy's father, but two, he's just like the coolest person ever. He is. 
But I, I, it was probably because they're like, well, we have one very fancy guest star here this time. Yeah, so. Lin-Manuel Miranda and Jimmy Smith in the one episode. They should do another Santiago Peralta family episode. Oh, they should. They should have, do it. Have Lynn Manuel, Jimmy Smith, uh, Bradley Whitford. Oh my god. <laughs> Just have the whole crew. Yes, they can do a Christmas episode because we already saw Feliz Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, so we can hope for that in the future. Yes. But no, this episode was so much fun. Lynn like fits in so well. And it's just nice when actors like clearly love the project they're on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was living as David. Yeah, he was so good as David. It was great. It was it was so fun, and like you can obviously tell like how close like he is with Melissa Fumero, and yeah. like, that it, that comes across in their relationship yeah. so well. I was also kind of surprised that he was also a cop. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't expecting. I mean, that. he's he's a he's a lieutenant. Well, lieutenant, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'm, like I wonder did. Well, Amy obviously became a cop because that's what she wanted to do, but I wonder if a little part of it was, you know, doing what her, I'm assuming, big brother was doing as well. Yeah, I I definitely think that a lot of it did have to do with, like, probably David and, like, her father, right? Yeah. Like, they're both cops, and so now I'm a cop. I really want to know what the rest of the Santiago's do. Definitely. Yeah. Like, are they they all cops? (laughs) Like... Like, there's got to be a lawyer in there somewhere, like, with, like, Santiago Jeans, they'd make right. a great lawyer. Because I would also think that, like, you know, with, why make him, like, a, uh, like a, a state cop when, you know, you could have made him, like, a federal agent or something like yeah. that, right? Something that was, like, like very FBI different. or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I really, I really want to know what the other Santiago's do and like watch like all of them are cops except one. And like this one is like an FBI agent and everybody shuns that, shuns him. Yeah. Because he's like, the bottom of the list. <laughs> right. You're on the stairwell. Federal government, please. <laughs> I'd love to get an episode one day with all the brothers. Yeah. I want to see all of them. All the brothers and all their know. families and all their kids. Just like a million Santiago's in the one episode. So many Santiago's. That will be so organized. Oh god, they would. So the other stuff going on is again a Boyle, Terry, and Holt storyline, which I'm really in, like digging this trio. Like this is a good yeah. trio to play off of each other. Yeah, it gives. Like I feel, previously we did get some Boyle storylines on their own, but he was often just paired with Jake. Mm-hmm. When it came to his storyline, so it's nice to see him with other characters. Yeah, I really like it. And I was missing Charles. I'm glad. I'm glad this episode was like a, more focused on like Charles being weird. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's my favorite. And Charles like being in charge of Terry and Holt. Yeah, right. So basically, Boyle comes to ask Terry and Holt for help on a case. He needs someone to go undercover in their holding cell to find info about a guy's meth dealer who gave him tainted stuff so terry i love flexing my creative muscles along with my regular flexing my regular (laughs) muscles cruz i mean jeffords um, and captain holt each volunteer for it so charles is going to hold an audition for maxwell blaze terry 
goes like the kind of stereotypical route of, you know, that hardened, you know, criminal from the streets kind of vibe. And Holt does that in his way, but it's a Dickensian (laughs) background because of course. Of course. But we do get to see a reprise of Straight Holt. Oh my god. Who is so so uncomfortable. And along with weighty breasts this time, he also talks about firm cans. Oh, Holt. (laughs) Holt, I'm so glad you're married. Yeah, like, he just... That man has never been attracted to a woman in his life. No, he sure has not. So good for him. (laughs) Yeah. So Holt actually is the one who gets the role. And Terry is, of course, shocked by this. And, you know, Holt dresses up. He goes in. He's doing his Maxwell Blaze thing. And while, like, Terry Holt and Rosa are listening in on his wire, we find out that Boyle made Terry mad on purpose because he wanted to give Terry his proper role of Tyrone McAllister. So Terry goes in, dressed up as Tyrone, but as he sits there, he barely gets to do anything because Boyle keeps coming in and taking him out to give him direction, which is none of it is helpful (laughs) at all. Not at all. So Terry has enough. And so the next time that Boyle comes in, Terry breaks character and, you know, tells Boyle that he doesn't need this. He's been undercover before. He knows what he's doing. And obviously the perp in the holding cell is like, okay, like he knew the whole time that Holt was a cop because he kept talking about how nefarious he is. So both Terry and Holt are like disappointed because the plan didn't work, you know, that and they're mad at Charles because they think that he has ruined it. But double surprise, they were always supporting characters, and they reacted exactly as he planned them to. Because Rosa was actually the leading lady, and sent her in there right afterward. And the perp was like so taken aback by all of this nonsense. He just told Rosa everything. Everything that happened, including his dealer. It took like 10 minutes. I love Rosa. Like, of course she was the one to actually get the job done. Yeah, because Rosa's the only one you can believe, like, could be a criminal. (laughs) Yeah. Like, Holt just, not at all. Like, Holt and Terry just both, no. No. Like, Terry's, like, very muscular and, like, can look imposing, but he is not. He's He's like... A, a people like looks tough but is actually like the most loving thing ever yeah exactly and so charles actually did amazing great job everyone's proud of him not even mad yeah it yeah, was a I, great charles moment like he showed them yeah he's a great detective charles is a great detective he just Good gets solve. distracted every now and again by jake and amy which is totally fair i mean fair they're his otp so yeah like you know so than like him and his wife <laughs> yeah yeah if it came down to it like or i don't think they're married um no but him and genevieve yeah yeah yep like if he had to have one of those like shipping brackets that a lot of the tv Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. websites do he would choose jake and amy over his own yeah jake and amy would go to the finals and win every time yeah 
So those were episodes for this week. A lot of, they were all very good episodes, I think. Yeah, they were all a lot of fun. And um, I've just had a look and they've got the press releases up for the next two episodes. Oh. Which includes one this week. Um, So this week's episode is Gintars. Um, and it says a visitor from Latvia causes Charles and Jake to investigate Nikolaj's family. <gasps> Holt and Amy bring in famed scientist Dr. Yi to help close the case for Rosa. So more Charles stuff. Yes. I'm glad. Like, I really yeah. I felt like Charles has not had a lot of moments this season. Yeah. But they are cycling through everybody. And I'm excited for more Nikolaj stuff as well. Like, it's been a while. Yeah. I'm interested to see what happens. I mean, it's just that, like, Charles says some of the most quotable things that you can't ever really use, right? Yeah. Just because they're so weird and so just boil, but they stick with you. And I'm, like, really excited for those moments. Absolutely. Yeah, so, great. I'm so excited. Um, And in in the meantime, they actually have done the season finale. Yeah. So that's exciting. And they've been announced for season seven. So thank God. We will have a lot more Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah. 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 So hopefully we should be back before April. Just looking at the calendar now. Yeah, we can probably fit in another one. Yeah. So should we wrap things up? Yeah, go ahead, since you know the things better than I do. (laughs) So uh, thank you again for listening. We hope you enjoyed our latest episode, and we can't wait to be back with more. Um, As always, we can be found on Twitter at KSFD Podcast. Please tweet at us with any thoughts or ideas. We'd love to hear from you. Um, And also, if you can, leave us a review. We'd also love that as well. Oh, yes, please. I, Holly, can be found on Twitter at underscore Holly Tweets and also on the Star Wars podcast Rebel Dispatch. And Meg, where can we find you? You can find my personal Twitter at T-S-P-O-F-N-U-T-M-E-G, Tisp of Nutmeg. Um, And again, if you also like Star Wars and like also trash stuff, you can find me on Rogue Podron. So thank you again for listening. We'll see you you all again soon. And 9-9. 9-9.